Monday edition of Smith & Jones. Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Game day for the Toronto Raptors, so a double dip of Smith & Jones as well as the Raptors get set for a tilt tonight against the Los Angeles Lakers. 10.30 Eastern tip time tonight, and we will have it for you right here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Uh, so you get a, a double dose of us today, and Jonesy, the Raptors, uh, at this point last week, we were talking about a team struggling, a team that was reeling just a tad, coming off a loss to the Cleveland Cavaliers, now three back in the standings, having lost three in a row to the Pistons, to the Magic, to the Cavs, now facing five more on a road trip that started in Cleveland that was heading to Texas and then heading out west to, to Arizona and to Los Angeles, to California. And oh, how a week can change things as now the Raptors have won three in a row following an outstanding, incredible back-to-back on the weekend on Friday, Saturday, with wins over the Suns and the Nuggets. And now, combining that with losses for the Cleveland Cavaliers, Toronto just a game back of Cleveland in that 6-7 battle. And Toronto doing also their work by getting these wins while Brooklyn appears to be turning things around and getting things on track and trying to keep the pressure on Toronto. So they're doing their job in many ways right now, and they got to keep doing their job tonight against a Lakers team that is continuing to struggle mightily. Well, yeah, they are. And Eric, you know what line I'm going to give you, right, about when you're going good and when you're going bad? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it's a fine line. It's a fine line. Like you're, you know, like you said, last week at this time, it's three straight losses. Um, Freddie's beat up. You've lost at home to Detroit and Orlando. And you're thinking, what's wrong with this team? You go on the road, you get one against San Antonio and you go, okay, well, kind of got the ship righted a little bit. But, you know, the next two are going to be really tough. Boy, it'd be great to the back-to-back, get one of them. You're thinking maybe get the first one. They get both. And now, again, you're looking down the barrel of a potential five-game winning streak. The Lakers are on a back-to-back. It'll be the like the Suns. It will be the first game back home from a, a, a trip across the Mississippi for the Clippers. You could, you could have a five-game win streak. Again, it just, it, there's just such a fine line. Never underestimate how close you are to being bad when you're good and good when you're bad. An NBA coach once told me that, and I, it never made sense to me until I started to really watch and watch the game and, and pay attention. And it's, it's kind of a you – know, I was on with Lance before we jumped on here. Lance and I, big golf guys, were watching the golf on the weekend, the players, and they're going to have a Monday finish. It's like when you're going sideways in golf, like you just think you'll never hit it properly again, and one or two good shots, and things change. Or you've got it going, and you hit one bad one, and the wheels fall off. It just There's such a fine line, Ian. I, I like, for the most part with the Raptors, though, I just like the way they've played this year. When you have that kind of consistent, uh, kind of all-out effort, and, and the attitude that says we're not giving in, you always give a chance to you give yourself a chance to get on the right side of that line. Well, and, and and here's the thing too about the consistency. I don't know if you'd agree. I think I think you would, but I had a few people hit me up on Twitter. I'm sure you did as well. 
because uh, after that, that, that win on Saturday and, and mentioning the victory over the Nuggets, but then combining it with the win over the Suns in the back-to-back, I made reference to, you know, forget the Pistons and Magic now. You just got those back with two unexpected wins. At least one, if not two, especially when you factor in the back-to-back. But then it begs the question, how or why does that happen? How do you play down to the level or lose to the bad teams, but then play up to or find a way to beat the good team? So maybe at the end of the day, and we've said this line a few times over the course of this year, Jonesy, the Raptors are exactly where they should be, perhaps because they're not quite yet the elite team that is beating everybody every single night, good and bad, but they're a team that's scrappy enough to hang with contenders to prove that they can beat anybody, but if they're not on their game, as you talk about, if they're not precise in their details, they are susceptible to having teams that aren't as good as them beat them. And, and hence the reason I say, as the dust settles here, with 15 games basically remaining for most teams in the league, it's kind of what they are. They've beaten the Vegas odds. They've been better than most people anticipated and expected. But they're a team that's going to be, as we talked about back in October, somewhere around 2 to 5, I think was the, the, the high end, I believe, that we both said, 2 to 5 games above or below. And we had them in the above category, both of us. I think I had them somewhere around 43 wins. And I think you were right around the same thing. So this is who they are. And it's a matter of, is that going to be good enough to get to six? Because I think everything else is out the door now. There's enough of a distance and a gap. Even though it's only three games, I don't think you're jumping all the way to five or even four. I think it's six or bust. Would you agree? Yeah, I think so. Um, I had them around 41, E. I had them at 500. Uh, 41 and 41. And when you look at the standings, I mean, the same way you think you're not sure they can get to five, they could. They could. Uh, That's but possible. Need, it's only three games. Yeah. Yeah. They need, uh, they need Boston and Chicago to back up a bit. Um, but the other part of it, too, is I don't see any possibility going lower than eight. Like, I, like I don't see right now uh, with, you know, 15 games left. I, I don't see them losing a, a four-game lead in the loss column to Atlanta. So, yeah, no, they're, they're doing, I think they're about where, as you said, about where we thought they would be. Um, it would be nice to get six and, not, and to avoid the play-in. Um, but then again, you know, you take what the basketball gods give you. You, you, take, what you're, you take what you get. Just as a quick aside, we've talked so much about the play-in, as we, as, we, as we say we want to call it the wild card, not the play-in. You think this is here forever? Yes. Yes. Hmm. Because it's, it's, it's spurned two things. Uh, one, competitiveness amongst the teams all the way down the stretch. If you're the Atlanta Hawks now, and you've got... Now let's take the Charlotte Hornets. You're the Charlotte Hornets, and it's an it's an uh, an eight team race. You're hopeful of getting to eight, but sitting at ten, you know you're probably going to have a, a second shot to get to eight. So there are ten teams. Hey, look at the Wizards and the Knicks. The way they're fighting, 
maybe 12 of the 15, 80% of the conference is still engaged right up until the last 10 games. Right. That, that's pretty good. And, and what you're doing as, a, as, as kind of a corollary, a spinoff of that, you avoided tanking. Like the Wizards aren't trying to tank now for a draft pick. They're trying to get to 10 so they have a shot to get like in the play-in to get the final wild card, the, the final playoff spot, and that's experience for your young team. So I, I think it's here to stay. I think it's here to stay. And there's probably a little bit of money to be made off it too when you think about extra revenue for, let's see, one, two, at least three more playoff games. Seven, eight is a game. Nine, ten is a game. And then the winner of uh, the winner of nine, ten against the loser of seven, eight. There's a third game. There's three more games, Eric, on national TV, uh, in full arenas, with major storylines, maybe major players involved. If, if Brooklyn's in it, or Trey Young is in it, or Lamelo Ball is in it, for from a marketing standpoint, I think this thing is here to stay. I, I, I don't see it going anywhere. So, I, 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 folks, I'm going to use Minnesota as the example for a second. So you can hopefully trust me. I've been around a long time. Hopefully I've gained enough of your trust that you know when I'm, I'm not BSing you. I'm not lying to you. I promise I'm not saying this because the Toronto Raptors are in seventh. I'm going to use Minnesota as the example as well. This is what I don't like about it. And granted, it may not have been the case you know, in, in, in the last couple of years as well. Maybe it's just playing out right now. But this is why we're in the infancy of bringing in this new wrinkle, right? So it's, to me, working out the kinks. What I would like to see, Jonesy, is keep the playing, but for the last seed, not the final two seeds. And the reason I say that is the Minnesota Timberwolves, and listen, it might not be this case in, in you know three, four weeks when the season ends, but there are nine games above 500. The Lakers are nine below, and the Pelicans are 12 below. The Pelicans are only 28 and 40, and they're the 10th seed. And I understand, yes, again, especially when we try to call it wild card, not playing, it is a playoff game. And you have to win when it matters most. But I don't know, and this is such a cheeseball word to use sometimes in pro sports, I don't know if it's fair to have a Minnesota team nine games above 500 potentially missing the playoffs with a team 12 games below ultimately making the playoffs because Minnesota has a couple of bad games. I agree. I agree. And that's Whereas at that least I if said... it's the eight seed, and here, here's, here's what I would say, Jonesy, sorry. Eighth yeah. seed, but the, the, the ninth seed or the tenth seed, even if it's not just one team that can jump you, maybe, maybe it's two, maybe it becomes a sort of mini tournament if you have to be within X amount of games. Like whether you say it's three games, five games, I think going higher than five is a lot. But if the ninth and or tenth seed are within five games of eighth, Wild card. But if they're not, eighth seed is the eighth seed. You, it, yeah. I, I think it's, it's, to me, it's embarrassing right now that I understand everything you just said makes total sense, and I get it. Yeah. And it means more meaningful games, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the ninth seed and the tenth seed in the East are below 500. The eighth seed up until the winning streak was below 500 too, but now they're above. 
But the ninth and tenth in the East are below 500. The ninth and the tenth in the West are well below, like big time, double digits for the tenth seed below 500. And to me, that's not a good look. No, I agree. And that's something that I said before. Like, how would you like to be, you know, seven or eight? Uh, I mean, look at Minnesota. You're right. Look at Toronto. Seven games above 500. And there's a chance that they, they after 82 games, well, if they were seven games above 500 after 82 games or five or whatever, there's a chance that they could miss the playoffs. And that's, you're right, that's not fair. And that's where I agree with you in that sense. Keep the meaningful games, but draw some, as you said, some, some distancing measures within five games, within three games or above 500. There are some years when there, there will be um, one play-in game, uh, one playoff wildcard game, and then playing eight, so two games. There might be other years where if you say, well, if you're over 500, you got a shot. Well, so then you might have three teams eligible. Or, or remember those years in the West when... You know, you had to be two games above 500 to get the last spot, and there were 500 yeah. teams yeah, yeah. missing the playoffs. That's when you should have a shot. So I, I agree, Eric. I, I mean, this is something you and I have talked about before this whole playing scenario came about. But I, I agree with you. I, I agree with that. But I just think the way the bottom line and the dollar signs are for the league, <laughs> the play-in tournament's not going away. Yeah, I, I mean, again, and I, I don't think it, I don't think it will either. I don't think it should. I just think maybe it's time to look. You know, after a few years, you've got a chance now to kind of tweak it if you choose to. Because here's another idea I'll throw at you, and, and we're going to bring our guest on in, in 20 seconds here. What if you went the the football route? Um, could you possibly, dare I say, have the number one and two seeds get a buy in the first round? Maybe you go first round is three out of five, and you actually lock in. Forget wild card, forget playing. We are now accepting ten teams into the playoffs. So nine and ten don't even have to play in. They're in. But now it's three versus ten, four versus nine, right? And, and setting the bracket up that way with one and two getting the wild card into or getting the, 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 you know, the, the bonus to advance the buy into the second round. But then you probably wouldn't have time to go full seven games. So is it a two out of three? Is it a three out of five in the first round? How are you doing it? I don't know. There's lots of ways to tweak it. Why don't we ask a guy who might yes. have a, a, a stronger opinion as a guy who's been there between the lines, former Toronto Raptor and a longtime NBA vet as well, C.J. Miles, joining us on the line right now. C.J., thanks for the time as always. No problem. What's going on? How y'all doing? Uh, we're good. We're good, CJ. Uh, listen, I know you were in the building for the Raptor game last week as well. It didn't didn't see history with Pop getting that win, but saw a good win for Toronto. We're going to ask you about that and, and a whole bunch to get into with you. But we just ended up on this path, CJ, talking about the play-in again. And the Raptors currently right now the seventh seed in the uh, East, seven games above 500. And again, a lot could change in 15 games. But I look at the West as well, CJ. Minnesota, nine games above 500. Meanwhile, the Pelicans in 10th, 12 below. And yet Minnesota still not locked in and New Orleans still with a chance. As a player, what do you think of that? I, 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 don't, I don't know. I think you just kind of like, uh, I think hearing you talk about uh, the play-in side of the tournament, like right when I got on the phone, 
I think the biggest thing is that um, you want to make sure that you reward teams for their work during the season. You know what I mean? And I think that's why it's going to be hard. Like, I understand what you're saying about having 10 teams go and doing it, but I think when you let uh, 9 and 10 go and they do end up taking out a team that's been that's been working so hard throughout the season to be at a certain space, I think that's where players will start to get upset about it. Even though they should win the games, at the end of the day, it's about winning the games. But I think that's the format that they're trying not to get away from because that's always been part of the way we do things is you're rewarded for your work throughout the season. Hmm. So, CJ, if you're – Eric and I were just talking about this. If you're a member of the Minnesota Timberwolves right now and you're having the best season that the team has had in – I don't know, since Tibbs took him to the playoffs three, four years ago. Uh-huh. And you are nine games above 500. And there's a chance, as Eric was saying, you, you might have heard some of this, that the New Orleans Pelicans at 20 and 40, 12, 13 games yeah. above 500 get, get into the play-in and they knock you out. Like, what do you feel as a player? I, that's I, – oh. I, <laughs> um, it's a it's a it's a crazy like you said it's a it's a wild thing but at the same time you step into a situation like I said we can talk about all this at the end of the day you win the games you you win the games and if that team because we talk about it too during the season one of the things we always say no matter how uh, or I guess it's more individually guys would say I don't have to be better than you every day I got to be better than you today mm-hmm. like that's that's right, the that's right. the goal like. I got to be better than you right now. Like, right now, with three minutes left on the clock, I got to be better than you from this. It don't matter if I was better than you last week, or better than you tomorrow or a month from now. Or and So when we get to April, May, June, it doesn't matter if you was better all year. And that's why I think teams don't teams that play well all through the year carry this thing of, like, they don't want to have to deal with a team that's almost like it's a – because they're in a different mental space. Like you're like I, I, I'm here. I, I don't. It's almost a nothing to lose thing. We all should be playing like that, but it's almost hard to when you when it's not that case. Yeah. Speaking with CJ Miles, CJ. All right, this might be a nice little segue to ask you about the Raptors. They've been fairly consistent for the most part all year, CJ. We're, we're not going to sit here and claim that they're a top three team in the East, but they're not a bottom mm-hmm. three. They've been kind of right in the middle there. They've gone on their run. Mm-hmm. They've solidified themselves as a team that's going to be at the very least in the play-in. Maybe they get up to the sixth seed, the fifth seed, but they're right there. You saw them firsthand. I, I, I was watching the broadcast yesterday, as I'm going to guess both of you were, or, or at least maybe you heard about the comments. You know, Doris Burke even saying in the midst of uh, the, the national broadcast yesterday, Brooklyn should not want to see a team like Toronto in the playoffs. Many teams should not want to see a team like Toronto with their championship yeah. experience, with Nick Nurse, the way he runs things, et cetera, et cetera. CJ, mm-hmm. how good do you think this Toronto team could be or how dangerous could they be for any team in the East because of that experience and because of the way that they're built, the way that they're coached, et cetera? I think um, there's, there's so many there's so many things. Um, there's pros and cons, right? There's so many things on their side because of the guys like Freddie and Pascal and OG and other guys who have played in these situations and really know how to play and know how to handle going into this so they can rub off on guys. But then, at the same time, there's a lot of youth. Now, that youth can play 
that's going to be nice that youth is going to be at your advantage because of the energy. They're going to be so hyped up to be in these situations. And then it's going to be that energy is going to be a, a default because it's going to have them going 3,000 miles an hour sometimes. And I think that's the trait to their season. That's why we say they go on their runs. They, they've been up and down, but they solidified. They show the traits of a talented, youthful team. Like, they're so talented they can make up for a lot of things, but the youth is what's stopping runs from being 20 games in a row like you see Phoenix did this year. That's a team that's been together and got some veteran guys. Um, but I think they're scary. A lot of length, a lot of athleticism, guys that can shoot it, guys that make plays with the ball. And like we said, Fred and Pascal, been there, done it. That's, 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 the, that's the biggest key. You got guys that have been to the mountaintop. How how likely is it that a team like that – I'm here, E. How likely is it that a team like that, CJ, catches catches lightning in a bottle come playoff time? And and I guess, the as you say, the determining factor is the youth. And, you know, you look at Scotty Barnes, you got to look at him in person because it's, it's a whole lot different, as we know, watching a guy in person than it is on TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think that's the reason why people should be scared of it because – you, they have the highest chance to get the lightning in the bottle because you have, they, like, there's so much talent. You don't have a track record on them yet, like as far as like in these big in these positions, as far as the playoffs goes. So like that's why I think people talk about it that way, like because they have so much uncertainty. Like you you can't look at them as oh yeah we'd be able to handle it because of the youth. It's not like they're young guys that have been playing sparingly. And there was an injury or something. These are guys that have been playing all year, so they do have some experience, and they keep showing these flashes of being really, really scary for other teams. And like you said, I saw Scotty in San, in San Antonio. And, I mean, I've been watching throughout the year. I think he's a super talented. But seeing him in person and seeing the length and seeing the different spaces he can be on the floor, um, seeing the lineups they're able to play when they can play Fred and then they play four other people that are between 6'7", 6'9", and 6'10", they can all switch every position. And three of those guys handle the ball. And this is without OG when I saw them. Um, so I think there's so much. They got a 6'7 point guard that comes off the bench. <laughs> like, I think there's so <laughs> much um, opportunity and room for growth and room to for Nick to do what he does, which is tinker and experiment and throw wild things at people in the playoffs, that it makes it scary. Speaking with C.J. Miles. C.J., to that point, I think I know the answer anyways, but I'm going to ask the question. Are the Raptors and other teams, because it's not like Toronto is, is the only squad that has maybe that type of flexibility, but they're one of a few. Are they trying to set a new blueprint here, or is it you know kind of going to the line that Jonesy always uses, the old Oakley line, is about their, there's different ways to cook chicken? Like, this is the way the Raptors are doing it, and they're proving that, that, that it can be pretty successful, but at the same time, CJ, if they face a team like Philadelphia, maybe they don't have a big, or Denver, they don't have a guy that can slow down an Embiid or a Jokic or whatever. So... Are you trying to set a new trend here if you're Toronto? Is this a thing that other teams are going to look at and go, that's what we want to model? Or at the end of the day, do you still kind of have to have more of a traditional lineup and be able to plug and play based on certain opponents, certain styles, et cetera? So, as we know, the league is a copycat league. If they win, then everybody's going to copy the model. It's no different than what Golden State did and the league changed because of the way they were playing basketball. Um, And then at the same time, 
if I'm if I am the Toronto Raps, I'm looking at it like, yeah, we if we got, we know we can run into Philly, we know we can run into Joel Embiid, um, but it's a use what you got type of situation. Like he's got his strengths, we have ours. Now if we can if we can utilize our strengths better tonight, then we can we can run them, we can move them, keep them moving. Obviously, we go, he's going to be a load on the offensive end, on the defensive end with his offense and him down in the post, but. Hopefully we can tire him out by moving him and running him all over the place and making him have to guard some different things he doesn't usually have to guard. Um, there's a lot of things that you just you just gotta you gotta play, and you gotta play you gotta play hard. You gotta play almost out of your mind when it's something like that because that guy's playing out of his mind. <laughs> that guy is an MVP, MVP caliber type guy. That guy is is clearly on a mission to try to lift his team up, and he's been showing it and talking about it all year. So I think it's just. You don't want to take the confidence of your young guys and your players by by not believing in the situation, but you want to make sure that they understand what's really in front of them. Understand that this is not a demotion or a, if we have to make a move with minutes or bringing somebody bigger to play a little bit. And this is not that. This is just this is the the price of winning. I, well said. The loyalty is to winning. Um, I want to go back to something you said about a track record. And and we, we talked about the Raptors, but there are three teams in particular that come to mind where you do have guys with track records. There's Kevin Durant slash Kyrie Irving and throw Ben Simmons into that mix in, in Brooklyn. There's Joel Embiid and at times James Harden's propensity for not coming up big when it counts in Philadelphia. And then there's the Lakers with the experience, LeBron, Russ, AD, Carmelo, all these guys. And with that attitude of, I just have to be better than you now, it doesn't matter what happened over the last five months, and catching lightning in a bottle and the experience and the know-how and having a track record, how dangerous is Brooklyn? How dangerous is Philly? And as much as everybody is throwing dirt on the Lakers right now, I would still not want to see them in a one-game situation. For sure. Um, I guess speaking on the Lakers first, I mean, like I said, track record, all those, there's there's three guys. I mean, AD is four, but um, there's guys there who are MVP caliber guys, four of them. They have track records of one guy's have more triple doubles than the trees in the field outside. Like, you can, count, you can rack them up. Another guy is going to go down statistically as the greatest player that's ever touched the basketball. He's going to be in the top of every stat that you can think of, even the silly stats they make up on ESPN. On Tuesdays, when he plays this team, he's going to be even He's going to even be the best at those. Carmelo Anthony, one of the greatest and purest scorers of our, of our time, of any time. Um, AD is a supreme talent. I, I'm not sure what the health situation will be for him as we go down into the um, into the stretch. But like, and then you even have Dwight Howard over there, who is not the Dwight Howard that these young kids these these young kids know him as a certain thing. But he has a track record of being and being ready and understanding the moment. Also, um, Russell Westbrook, like I said, I think being in a moment like that can clear up so many things. 
I think being put in a moment where instincts have to take completely over and none of this other stuff matters is win the game. I think those guys can reach a level that's so that's so different from a lot of these other teams. Now, to be able to do it and, and run to a championship is another thing. Um, KD, like you said, KD's got the track record of being – I mean, we saw what he did last year without, without those other two guys by his side. I think having one of those guys, and I think Ben Simmons in this trade is – I think because of everything that's going on, I don't, I don't know if people really look at it the way – I mean, I won't say the way I look at it, but the way it should be looked at is that Ben Simmons went into a situation where he gets to be exactly who he is. He gets to defend, push the ball, play with pace, multi-position. He does not have to shoot the ball. There's two guys over there who will gladly shoot the ball. Like, he would not have to look at the basket if he don't want to. Between Kyrie and KD, those two guys, no, I don't know if there's, there's anybody more talented than those two guys with the ball in their hands right now. Um, I think it's just about figuring out how to insert him into the lineup and insert him into playing freely with confidence and understanding, like, we have to figure out a way to drop some of the things that's been following you around and not letting it get to you. But I think there's so many things that go. And then Philly, I, I forgot to mention Philly, Joel Embiid is, is show, has shown that he's ready to do what he needs to do to try to help this team win the championship. If James Harden is healthy, um, we all know the capabilities he has. We can talk about the games that he hasn't shown up in, the things, the games he hasn't played big in, all the things like that. But he's still James Harden. And the growth of Tyrese Maxey. And you still have solid players on the defensive end, um, like Thibault. You still have Tobias Harris. You still have George Yang, who shoots the ball. Danny Green has a championship pedigree. There's a lot of things in that mix over there that they have a DNA that can help them win the game. CJ, um, we're up against the clock, but I wanted to ask you before we go here as well. Speaking of the DNA, you've got you've got the DNA in you as well as a guy that's been there a long time in the NBA. Uh, you, you you found your way back this year with the Celtics. Um, I, I guess kind of big picture. I could ask you directly if if you know if if there's any uh, path you see towards getting on another roster before the end of the year here, but also just this whole process of the last two years, the last twelve months, even the expanded rosters going through the whole. Um, deal with with Boston and 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 now trying to find your way back again. Like, what's this been like? Because I'll tell you quickly, CJ. I saw a, a clip the other day. I don't even remember Jonesy who did it. I shared it with Jonesy. The number of players, like notable name players, that are currently in the G League, let alone just maybe not even in the G League yeah. and just and looking for work. Yeah. I was shocked. Like, I had no clue how many guys, because I'm so focused on the NBA, and I saw this clip going through name after name after name of guys that are still working and grinding and trying to get back. I'm like, my goodness, there's a lot of guys out there that could easily be playing in the league right now. Yeah, it's, 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 there's a lot of guys. And I think um, there were so many opportunities this year with the expanded rosters, with the COVID situations that were happening that, a lot of guys who have been either going overseas or playing in other places decided that being in the G League was a really good move for them because 10 days and things were happening up and down and you were getting actual chances to play on these 10 days. My 10 day went, obviously, the way in my type of luck way that it goes. I got the boss and it got COVID, so I didn't get to um, really like maximize the opportunity. But I think it's been great for the G League, first of all, because there are a lot of – 
good players besides these vets that we saw that came back this year. There's a lot of good players that deserve a chance in the league down there, and, and there's a good competition level to an extent down there. Um, but I think the last few years has just been crazy. It's been a wild ride just getting healthy um, after ending it the way it ended with the, with the minor surgery and just do the ups and downs and just grinding it out. Like, I love the game. I still have a lot of game left in my tank. I'm just really practicing on being present in what's in front of me and just working. Um, and the things that pop up, I attack them and I, and I decide how they should be dealt with and what's doing. So, like, the right situation comes, obviously, like, I'll be, I want to play. So, hopefully, there's a situation that comes, whether it be before the end of the season or going into the summer and getting a chance to really be free again in the summer and play in the runs and be around some teams and, and do some workouts to really show. Because I think that was the problem last year. I couldn't really do that as much. Well, CJ, listen, man. Uh, as as long as uh, you know, selfishly speaking, as long as you're 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 not on the roster, we're going to keep bugging you and keep having you on. So uh, we'll keep our fingers yeah, crossed around, for you, though, that you, you, that you don't have to talk to us again. <laughs> Hopefully, that's not the case. All the best, man. Yeah. Thanks a lot, man. You guys be safe. Thanks, CJ. There is CJ Miles, former Toronto Raptor, longtime NBA vet with the Pacers and the Wizards, Raptors, and 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 others. Uh, and and yeah, very frustrating. Finally gets his his shot with the Celtics, gets COVID, and doesn't end up suiting up for Boston. Maybe he gets his way back in this final month of the season as we approach the playoffs. And uh, Jonesy, you brought up the Lakers. Let's dive into the Lakers a little bit more and some other angles we can take with another former Toronto Raptor, Tracy Murray. Will join us next on Smith and Jones. Everything Raptors before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on Smith and Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Thanks again to CJ Miles for joining us. And uh, we bring into the conversation another former Toronto Raptor NBA veteran, former uh, coach, shooting coach in the NBA as well, current analyst, color analyst with the UCLA Bruins. Lots to dive into with Tracy Murray. Tracy, thanks for the time as always. We got you there, Tracy. Hello? Hello? You guys oh, we've me? got him. We've got him. May, you know what? Hey, hey Lance, I'm, I, I'm, I'm thinking maybe we try and reconnect with Tracy. It sounds like maybe we've, we've got a – we don't have a great connection. So, Jones, we're going to get Tracy back into the mix in a second there. Uh, it sounded like even when he finally heard me, it was uh, – he was he was off in the distance. <laughs> so so we'll get Tracy back into the conversation in just a second there and see if we can get a better connection. Um, as we wait for Tracy, wanted to make mention of and, – and we were going to play a clip. I don't think we will now because we want to get to the conversation with Tracy as soon as we reconnect. But a special moment yesterday in Boston with Kevin Garnett having his jersey yeah. retired by the Celtics. And much like we saw a couple of weeks ago uh, – well, actually almost a month ago now in Cleveland at All-Star Weekend – the reuniting, the coming together, and the, the axe finally being buried between KG, Ray Allen, and Paul Pierce. I, I, I don't know how you could... I don't know how you could grind that axe. I don't know how you could carry that axe when you are in a locker room with a guy and you climb the mountain, helping each other up the mountain to win a championship. I don't know how it goes that bad. That's not me. I don't know if the, who, how many people that is, but like you said, glad to see it's been buried and... Uh, I think we have Tracy back with us. You, you here, Tracy? Jonesy, what's up, man? Hey, congratulations on uh, being inducted into the Hall of Fame, UCLA. Man, I'm looking at all the pictures on social. That's a young, young Tracy that should be in the league knocking down threes right now. You're just <laughs> born at the wrong time, brother. 
Thank you. Thank you, man. I mean, it is uh, right down my alley playing right now if I was to come in and, and play at this point. Jonesy, go ahead yeah, there. Yeah. I think you wanted to start with Tracy. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. You know what, Tracy? I, a couple things. Um, I, I want to go to the tournament first. I do want to ask you about the Lakers. Eric and I do want to talk about that, but I want to ask you about – uh, the tournament. UCLA had a great run last year. You're with the team. You were part of that legendary program. I thought they would be seated a little bit higher than where they are. Uh, that being said, they still have a region where I think they can do some damage. Can they get another run and get back to where they were last year? I would hope so, Jonesy. Um, it was a big loss to um, Arizona this last game. We had control of the game. Uh, got up to almost double figures, and then, you know, that, that height and athleticism and length was a problem for UCLA. But I think anybody that plays Arizona is going to have that same problem. They don't have a player under 6'3". So they're the biggest team in the nation, and they're versatile. Um, with UCLA, they're, they're really going to have to rely on their defense to get them wins because they don't score on a high rate like Arizona does but their defense can be suffocating at times. So hopefully Johnny Juzang can find a rhythm. Hawkins has been in the rhythm. Jules Bernard is starting to find himself. So if those three are playing great basketball along with Tiger Campbell, anything can happen. Hey, Tracy, to that point about anything can happen, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm tying two things together here with the NCAA and the NBA, but we were talking earlier in the show about the play-in in the NBA and, and, and how – Fair and again, I hate using that word in pro sports, but fair versus unfair. How a, a, a team like Minnesota, nine games above five hundred, could ultimately get bounced by the Pelicans or the Lakers, who are having rough seasons. But that's been the case forever and a day in the NCAA. No matter how good your season's been, one game, one game can end it all and bite you. How difficult is that? I mean, it's question's been asked a thousand times over the years. But again, as a guy that's been there, I don't think I've ever asked you specifically the pressure that comes with that type of intensity. We don't see that in arguably any other format in any other sport at any other level than what we do with the tournament. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the beauty of it, though. I mean, you have to take one possession one minute at a time, and you really have to focus in at one game at a time because if you don't, you're going to find yourself bounced out of there like I, I, we were, we were one and done my sophomore year against Penn State because we were looking past Penn State to get to North Carolina. You can't look past anybody. You got to take it one game at a time. Everybody's there for a reason. Now in the NBA, you got you know seven games to get at somebody. You know to take advantage of it. And then most of the time, if you play a seven game series and you're the better team, you're going to win. But in, in this case, anything can happen with with uh, March Madness. Tracy, let's 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 jump there. I, I, maybe I, maybe you should wait. Maybe I should wait and ask you for your prediction. But we'll do that before we leave the air. And you can't say UCLA, all right? I'm telling you that right now. Before you say anybody else, <laughs> it can't it can't be UCLA. But look, looking at the Lakers, and you've been you live out there. You're in the community. All the stuff that's going on with Russ and how poorly he's played, and the expectations and the rumors around Frank Vogel and all of that stuff. We're talking to C.J. Miles a little bit ago. How likely is it that they can put it all together just for one 
like for a month, starting at, 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 at the beginning of April, and all of a sudden, you, you, a month, you win two series, boom, you're suddenly in the Western Conference Finals. Is that, is that a, a reasonable expectation with a team with all that talent that hasn't played well this year? Well, that's their expectation. Jonesy, I, I've called it a long time ago at the beginning of the year that this team, you know, and, and I love each – I'm saying this with the utmost respect for everybody on that team because I love all those guys on that team. This team is older. They can't guard these young kids, man. Father time wins. And I don't, I don't see these guys being able to make a run. That's just my opinion. And I may be wrong, and they may prove me wrong. I, I just can't see it. LeBron's playing out of his mind, but everybody else is inconsistent. Is there enough time to find consistency, Tracy, with only 15 games less and less left? Excuse me, and less than a month. Father time wins. There's a bunch of old legs on that team. <laughs> oh, oh, all right. Well, I can't, I can't so, see it. I so, can't see it. What what do you do if you're the Lakers for next year? What what do you do? <laughs> if they can rewind all of those trades, I'm sure they would do it. I mean, because you let guys go that you won championships with that that was young and and that played defense and that was happy to be there and and, and now they're all doing well. If they're healthy, they're all doing well on other teams, and you're kicking yourself in the behind looking at that. But what they have to do is they have to find a way to get young and get somebody in there that can play with LeBron and uh, somebody can shoot, people that can play defense, people who are athletic and, and rebound. Um, and that's going to be tough, man, because there's uh, unless there's expiring contracts, it's going it's to be hard to, to move anybody. Speaking with Tracy Murray. Tracy, all right, so let's move from the Lakers for a second, and I don't know, I'll, I'll leave it to you. Stay west or, or look east. Do you have a team or a couple of teams that you're circling as, as, as your you know, top picks for the championship this year, or are you looking at it like a lot of people where it might be six, eight teams that you could make a case for? That's the case. I mean, you really can make a case – uh, I'd say four to six teams you can make a case for. But the one that really sticks out to me, if healthy and everybody is uh, uh, on well, well on machine um, and, and Kyrie can play, I would say Brooklyn because um, that, and that's a major piece that, that's missing. If he can play, and depending on where they are, uh, and, and everybody else that got added to the team, they have some really, really good pieces. If Ben Simmons can come in and defend and and rebound and add his playmaking skills to what they already have with Durant scoring, uh, Kyrie scoring, and, and, and the defense that's added. And, and my, my young player, Kessler Edwards, um, maybe he can get in there and play some defense and rebound. They have some really nice pieces, and, and it's interesting to see what them or Philadelphia is going to do because, because of the Harden situation. Tracy, you talk about the Harden situation. How much pressure is on James? He has this uh, reputation for not coming up big when it's important. How much pressure is on him? How much pressure is on Daryl Morey for trading for him? And how much pressure is on Doc the same way? Because we love Doc, but he's he has had some 
um, some slips, some faux pas as, as a coach. And people, as much as he's won a championship, there are some people that don't want to let it go. So how much collective pressure is there on that team? If you are a GM or a coach or a player in the NBA and you're going into the playoffs trying to win a championship, you better put some pressure on yourself. I mean, I understand the outside pressure. That's really not the pressure you have to worry about. You have to put the pressure on yourself to perform and to win. If you do that, the outside pressure doesn't really matter. you got to be your own worst critic and push yourself to be the best you can be, even when you're struggling. Speaking with Tracy Murray. Tracy, um, from a Raptors perspective, we were talking to CJ about this earlier. Jonesy and I have had our time to weigh in a lot over the last few months. Uh, I don't know how often you watch their games. I'm assuming you do as, as just a fan of the game, let alone keeping an eye on one of your former teams. How much does championship experience, when you think of Van Vliet and Siakam and others, how much does that matter going into this late regular season, into the postseason, but then also combining they are young and in a lot of other spots and inexperienced in a lot of other spots? What do you think the ceiling is for this team and the way they play? Well, experience always matters. And, and those guys can be the leaders and guys can follow their, their lead if, you know, if, if they're willing to follow their lead. Um, the playoffs is a different animal. Your leader's got to lead. The experience has got to take over. And the, the youth has to follow. Um, and that can be a scary thing if Toronto can catch fire. Um, I'm not sure how they're going to do this year. Um, they have some interesting pieces on the team. Tracy, uh, we're, we're uh, running up against the clock, so you've had a couple minutes to think. Do you have a final four for me? Who do you think is going to win it? And, uh, well, I, I, you've I been there really, before. You've been really in that tournament. I don't have a final four. I have a final four, Josie, but I, I think Arizona has a great chance of winning it. Hmm. Hmm. All right. People are people are putting it in, at least in pencil, Tracy, if not in pen. They're going to be saying, Tracy Murray told me to watch out for Arizona. So I might, I might have to write that uh, I, down I myself. This weekend, <laughs> what I saw this weekend, it, it was just you have guys on that team that defend, can score the basketball. I mean, uh, Benedict Matherin is a, is a monster. Um, Christian mm-hmm. Coloco controls the defense by himself. He can guard one through five at seven one. And then you 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 add ball uh, the big fella in uh, with them. I mean that 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 kid when they go that big, uh, it's, it's it's hard to stop. And they're still constantly knocking down three point shots and getting in the paint and finishing. Tracy, listen, we love you breaking it down for us today on the NCAA and the NBA. Hope you're well, and we'll look forward to talking again soon. Thanks, Good to guys. talk to you, Tracy. There is Tracy Murray, former Toronto Raptor, and we are right up against the clock. We've got time just to remind you to subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review as well. The hour flew by, but you can always check out the pod if you missed a portion of it, and we will be back with another episode on Tuesday. Have a good one, folks.